Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. You to set the stage for the message this evening. By the way, while you're turning to that, I again forgot. I was supposed to announce this morning Please, everybody bring cookies so that we can have them for Bible school. I forgot to do it. Some of you knew you were supposed to and have already done it. When you come tomorrow evening, load in a package or two of cookies and bring them, will you? So we'll have plenty of cookies to serve for refreshments. I think there's enough Kool-Aid and that's being prepared, so that won't be a problem, but we do need some cookies. Matthew 27, beginning right where Don left off, at the 19th verse, we'll read through 25. When he was set down on the judgment seat, that is, that's Pilate now that we're talking about. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife said unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should Ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will you that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon us and on our children. Let us pray. Lord God, will you take the words of your scripture this evening and apply them to our hearts, cause us to be filled with your spirit as we meditate on your word. Whatever the needs are of each of us this evening, those who need to be saved, those who need to give their lives to your service in this church, those who need to rededicate, Those are father of us who are burdened because of personal problems or illnesses or distresses. We pray that you would bless each of us in our own need. Hover over us and bind us together in this service tonight. We pray through Christ our Redeemer. Amen. Somewhat interesting to notice that Pilate really did not want to crucify Christ. And his reasonings were, from a judicial standpoint, that the man had done nothing deserving of death. He was even admonished by his wife, who had had a dream. We're not told what the nature of the dream was, but she sent word to him as he sat on his throne in judgment, 
telling him to have nothing to do with this man Jesus, for she had had a dream, and she had suffered many things that day because of him. We're not told what those things were. I don't know if you believe in dreams or not, but all through the scripture, God has spoken to people through dreams. I believe in dreams, and I believe that God speaks to us in dreams. I don't believe that everything we dream is sent from God. If, if everything that we dream is sent from God, he sends some mighty strange things. I've had some mighty strange dreams, as well as you. But I do believe that there are times when we are wrestling with a problem that the Lord will speak to us through our unconsciousness as, as we sleep, and it may very well be that if we can sift out those things that are not of God and those that are, that he has some real messages for us and he can direct our lives unconsciously through our, through our dreaming. Pilate should have listened to what his wife said. But he didn't. The people asked, well, he asked the people rather, why, what what has this man done that deserves his death? They did not answer. And you notice that in the scripture. They did not answer, but simply came back and said, crucify him. Crucify him. Let's get rid of that man. For no, per for no reason that they could think of, except they were being molded by the uh, chief priests and his followers who believed that Jesus was an imposter, that he was not the Son of God, and so they all wanted him crucified. And Pilate, being afraid of what they might do, simply said, then what shall I do with this man who is called Jesus? And they said, crucify him. He had offered them a choice. The choice was a man named Barabbas, who was well known to them all. He was a robber. He no doubt had been a murderer, perhaps a rapist. We're not told all the things that he was, except that he was a robber. But whatever he had done deserved that he die. It was planned that he would be executed. This was his day of execution. But it also was the plan and the pattern that during this particular feast that the Roman government would release a prisoner as an act of uh, generosity on the part of the government that the people might want released, usually a political prisoner or somebody that, uh, that the people wanted released. And so Pilate gave them a choice. They could have Barabbas whom they, in his mind, would not accept back into society because of the natures of his crime, or they could have Jesus, whom he expected them to request, because there was no obvious reason why the man ought to be put to death. And they said, give us Barabbas. And he said, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And that's the question I want us to deal with tonight. What shall we do with Jesus? Where I grew up, 
It was a colloquial phrase, and maybe you have the same. I don't think I've heard it since I've been here. I want to do right by you. Is that a common phrase in Boone County? Which means, I want to treat you properly. If it is a business deal, and uh, I were going to sell something, and you were going to buy it, and I would quote you a price that you thought was too low, it would be common in my community for that person to say, well, now, probably that's not enough. I ought to pay you more. I want to do right by you. I don't want to cheat you. All at the same time, he's probably thinking, boy, I'm glad you didn't quote it any higher, and I'll pay it here in a hurry, but I want you to know that I, don't, I want you to know that I do not intend to cheat you. I want to do right by you. I think most people want to do right by Jesus. But don't do it. But don't do it. Well, who is Jesus anyway? John, the Baptist, was in prison and sent some of his disciples to Jesus with the purpose of asking him a question, are you the one that we have been looking for, the Messiah, or should we look for somebody else? Meaning that John has begun to doubt that this person, Jesus, that he has been proclaiming as the Christ, maybe he is not the Christ, and so he sends his disciples from uh, his prison cell and says, you go to Jesus and you ask him, are you the Messiah? Jesus did not say, yes, I am the Messiah. Jesus said, you go back and you tell John the things that you have seen and that you have heard. They had seen people raised from the dead. They had seen the blind uh, receive their sight. They had seen the cripple walk. They had, they had seen people who were burdened with sin have their sins forgiven. In other words, Jesus was saying it is self-evident as you see my work as to whether I am the Christ or not. I should not even have to answer that. When they took Jesus out to the cross and put him there on the cross... And at that third hour, as he finally gave up the ghost and died there on the cross, and those storm clouds began to gather, and the, the huge earthquake and the rain and the, and the winds that began to blow upon that scene uh, shook the very foundation of the ground that people were standing on, there was a soldier, a centurion, standing at the foot of the cross whose responsibility it was to keep order. And when he saw all this happening, and he heard Jesus say, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And Jesus gave up the ghost, and his head dropped down to his chest, and he went to live, and his soul departed from his body. That certain centurion responded, Truly, this was the Son of God. And he knew who he was. There are several things in the scripture that tells us who Jesus was is, I want to simply refer to them quickly and not spend a lot of time on them. In Acts 10.43, we will find that Jesus is referred to as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah. In Matthew 3.17, we will find him called the Son of God. In Matthew 7.29, he is called a teacher who has authority. He taught with authority. In John 1.29, he is called the sin-bearer. 
the one who carries our sins. In 2 Timothy 1.10, he's called the one who conquered death. Acts 4.12, the only Savior. I think there is little doubt in anybody's mind, and I'm sure no doubt in the mind of anyone in this congregation as to who Jesus is. Therefore, it brings us to the question, what kind of reaction do we have to him? What will you do with this person called Jesus? Well, there are two ways that we can go. First of all, there are wrong reactions that we can have. And let's, let's look at those first before we talk about the right reactions. People have wrong reactions to Jesus. Pilate reacted incorrectly. He should have followed the dictates of his own conscience. He should have known that he was dealing with the Son of God. He should have paid attention to what he had heard and seen and not yielded to the pressure of the mob. And that's why lots of people do not accept Jesus Christ is because they are afraid of the pressure put on them by their peers, by the people outside the church. And even sometimes they're afraid of the people inside the church. So there's some wrong reactions. Let me just point out six wrong reactions that people do with Jesus. Number one, many people ignore him. That is just plain pretend that he doesn't exist. Maybe you at one time did that. You absolutely ignored Jesus Christ as if he did not exist at all. There are lots of people who do that. Secondly, there are people who relate to him with an attitude of indifference. I don't really care who he is or what he is. I'm going to live my own life is the reaction that sometimes we hear. Thirdly, there are people who simply just forgets that he really exists. It just never enters their mind that there is any need to have a relationship to Jesus Christ. It just doesn't enter their mind. And you have experienced those, and perhaps you as well have been one of those who just plain forgot that he existed. It didn't mean anything. The church didn't mean anything. You could drive down the road. What made the difference? That's where a bunch of foolish people meet on Sunday morning and do all kinds of foolish things. And why should I care about that? I have more interesting things to do, more interesting places to go. I just plain don't have any interest. His name never enters my mind except uh, in some derogatory manner. This is the attitude of a number of people. Fourthly, there are those who simply try to uh, evade him, stay out of his way. Just stay away. You ever wonder why people don't want to come to church? Listen, a person who is trying to escape from God isn't going to come to where he knows God's going to be. It is not surprising that sinners don't come to church. It's more surprising that they ever come to church unless they're under conviction. Why would you go somewhere to be in the presence of somebody you want to avoid? It doesn't make sense that you would come uh, where that person is. I don't know if you've ever done it or not. I guess I'll have to confess that I have in going down the street and seeing somebody coming at me that I really didn't want to confront. And I found a reason to go over on the other side of the street and walk down. Have you ever done that? 
Now when the Lord Jesus Christ comes down the path and we're about to have a confrontation with him, if we don't want to have that, the thing to do is get off that path and go some other way. And that's what lots of people are doing. And they're not beating the path to the church because that's certainly where God is going to be. Fifthly, there is the hostility and the resentfulness that begins to crop up. And I see this every once in a while when I ask somebody if they're a Christian and I can see them begin to bristle. Almost their hair is standing out. Their face begins to be flushed. And I say, are you a Christian? And they begin to say to me, well, I want you to know I'm just as good as those church members you've got. All they're doing is expressing an attitude of hostility toward God. Now, if you ever have that happen to you, understand they're not being hostile to you. They're really not being hostile to the church. They're being hostile to God. Then there's that group of people who hold him aloof. They really don't want to put him away. They just want him close enough that in case of an emergency, they can reach out and get old. Like a child who doesn't want to hold mommy's hand because I can do it myself. Remember when you were a kid and said that or when your kid said that to you? I can walk down the street by myself but let a big bad dog step out of the path and that little child comes running back and grabs hold of mommy's hand. Because in mommy or daddy there is security. And that's the way the world wants to react. Hold him close enough that you can get to him in the case of an emergency. And we use the Lord as an emergency, an escape valve, an escape route. In the event that we might be facing something that we can't handle, we want to run back and grab hold. And so he's held aloof, just close enough to get a hold of. And many of us who are Christian people treat him that very same way. We don't want him out of our sight, but we don't want him holding on either. So those are the wrong reactions. Let's talk about some right reactions. Revelation 3.20. I want to read some of these. And I'll read them all. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. You've heard those verses, that verse, many times. The right response, what will you do with Jesus, is to invite him in to your life, to your family, to your work, to your play. Jesus ought to be a very real part of every aspect of our life. He is not someone that we associate with only on Sunday. He ought to be someone that goes to work with us tomorrow morning. Someone that we play with tomorrow night as we go out to enjoy ourselves and whatever we're doing. Someone that is a real part of our family that sits at the table when we eat. That shares our good times as well as our bad. 
But oftentimes we only want him there to share the bad. We need him then. But listen, he wants to share the good as well. That's one of the reasons sometimes on Wednesday night we talk about, well, what good things does anybody have to say? We talk about so many bad things. All the people who are sick and those who have died and those who need prayer of one nature or another. I think there are times when we need to start saying, well, I want to share something good. The Lord had a, a real vital part in my life, and it's a good thing. The Lord should be an honored guest in every part of our life. He stands at the door and knocks and wants to be to our life, to our family, to uh, our fellowship, whatever it might be. Secondly, we ought to trust him as a dear friend. Jesus said in John chapter 15, and we'll not turn back there and read it for the lack of time, uh, that ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Listen, Jesus wants to be a friend. I believe that every person needs a very, very close friend. I'm convinced of that as I can be. If you don't have somebody that you can really spill your guts to, really pour it out, and they love you just the same, you need to find that person. I think everybody needs that person that you can fuss at, that you can cry with, that you can say whatever you want to say and it'll still be all right. That's a good friend who'll do that. Oftentimes that person is hard to find. But Jesus Christ is that person who can accept and understand and relate to us in every aspect of our lives. He can be our dearest friend. So one relationship that we ought to have with him is to consider him our dearest friend. Thirdly, we need to listen to what he has to say. There is nobody in this world who has all the answers save Jesus Christ. He'll steer us the way we ought to go. Fourthly, we ought to follow Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to turn to that one. Verses at beginning at verse 19. He's talking to his apostles and he said unto them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what did they do? They straightway left their nets and followed him. And going from thence he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, and the ship was Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. The Lord Jesus wants somebody to follow. Sometimes we're so busy trying to be the leader that we never learn to be the follower. Before one can lead, he must know how to follow. Nobody can be a great leader unless he's a great follower. The Lord Jesus Christ is the guide to my life and to yours, I hope. And we need to follow wherever he will lead us. Lastly, if you're not a Christian, our relationship to him ought to be one of receiving him as Lord and Savior. John chapter 1 states very clearly what we need to, uh, to read on this, this statement. Verses 11 and 12 of John chapter 1. If you're not a Christian, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But here's the, the promise. But as many 
as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We're children of God tonight, all of us who are Christian, because we have believed on his name. The child of God. And that ought to be our relationship. Any honorable person should want to do right by the Lord Jesus. Any honorable person should want to do right. What is the right thing to do with Christ? First of all is to recognize that he died on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine and to accept that and to follow his lead, to be his child, to put our hand in his hand and let him take us day by day in our daily walk, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, or whether it's at play. He is our Lord and he is our master. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.